Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Then you will defile your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, Away with you. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows, the oxen and donkeys that work the soil will eat fodder and mash spread out with fork and shovel. In the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven full days, when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds of the inflicted. Thank you, Nancy. Let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, we come together this morning as your children. Lord, we are so blessed to be called your children. And yet we are obstinate and wayward, just as the children of Israel were. We are quick to flee and hide, rather than trusting and resting in you. Lord, we pray that this morning we will, we will remember you. As we come together, we focus on Jesus, on your Son, and we remember him, his life, his promise to be always with us. And Lord, we pray that you will be close to us this morning, as you are close throughout our lives. Remind us of that, and help us to rest and enjoy this time together. Amen. Let's sing together, praising our God together. Our God who shelters us, as verse 2 says, and sustains us. Whose goodness and mercy are here for us every day. And think once again about what God does for us. So, from the Christophian hymn book number 118. Richard has the announcements for us this morning. Morning everyone, I'll add my welcome to Andy's in particular, nice to see Alan and Anne Sutton from Mumbles and we'll congratulate them in more detail about becoming grandparents again when we get to Care News. Fiona, nice to see you again. Anne, Curtin, nice to see you. Hi Ian, good to see you too. Our Care News. We're thinking this month in particular about people whose witness is following their retirement from paid employment. So... Mary's funeral took place on Thursday and Jack spoke to me in the week and he's very grateful to all of those who helped in different ways and in particular for the practical and spiritual support that he and Mary received over the past 20 months, two years or so. Jack is leading the service that is taking place at Ashton this morning. We're now holding regular meetings there to provide a, a spiritual environment for some of the young people who attend the clubs on Tuesday and Wednesday. We continue to remember Jack 
and him and, and all the wider family in the weeks ahead. Pearlie, Marion and Faith Storer were involved in a relatively serious car accident on Friday. The car was written off um, and Pearlie and the girls did go to hospital briefly, but we understand that they are okay otherwise. Ongoing news, Elaine has had a scan this week which has given us some reassurance about her pregnancy, but we continue to pray for Mark, Elaine and Isabel as the baby grows. Gladys not been able to come this morning as her morning care was late. Please continue to remember Gladys, Pauline, Marion and Bill in your prayers and actions. So, sad stuff over, I mentioned earlier, Rebecca and Julian. After a very long labour on Rebecca's part, she gave birth to baby Edwin on Thursday evening, weight £9, 4 ounces, and we pray for them as they grow as a family together. Thank you, Richard. Uh, is there anything else which people would like me to include in a, a prayer together? Just remain where you are and we'll, we'll approach God again. Dear Lord, our Father, we, we bring to you now the things which, which we have planned. Lord, we pray that, that you will bless them. We pray that you will have been in the planning and that you will make this place a shining beacon for, for you. You will continue to, to direct people in our direction to, uh, to come to know you better. And Lord, we pray that we will be ready and eager to speak to people who come and to share with them your love. Lord, we especially remember the concert which is planned for next Saturday and we pray that that, that will be a good opportunity for people to come who might not usually come. And we pray that the choir will sing well and give glory to you in, in all that happens next Saturday. We pray too for the, the new venture at Ashton in, on the Sunday mornings. We pray that the, the children who come to the clubs and their parents might have an opportunity there to come to know you better and to see, to see your love in action, especially in, in Jesus' life and death and resurrection, but also in the dedication of the people who run that event. And Lord, we pray especially for Jack, who is leading this morning. We pray that you will give him comfort and strength as he moves forward in life without Mary. We pray that we will be able to give him the support that he needs. Your love moving through us to support Jack and the family. Lord, we, we pray too this morning, especially for uh, Pearlene, Marianne and Faith, and for Malcolm too. We pray that they will, will be well and that Pearlene's back will not be too badly affected by, by the car crash. We pray too for, for new life. We pray for Mark and Elaine's new baby and pray that everything will be well there. And we thank you and praise you too for the birth of Edwin and pray that you will you will bless Rebecca and Julian as they bring him up. Lord, be with us now and bless us in the rest of this service. In Jesus. Amen. From Hebrews chapter 13. 
Uh, Alan's going to be talking to us from Hebrews, so uh, this seemed appropriate to include this chapter. It's a very encouraging chapter with lots of quick-fire exhortations in there for us. So uh, Sam's going to read that for us, Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. 
Grace be with you all. Thank you, Sam. We're going to uh, sing together to remind ourselves of the, the themes that come out from Hebrews. We're going to sing, Jesus is King, and I will extol him, which contains lots of, lots of reminders of who Jesus is. And that's going to be Alan's theme uh, when we've sung this together. So, it's now uh, pleased to invite Alan to speak to us. Thanks. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks very much for inviting me to be here. And um, special thanks to your booking secretary for coordinating the appointment so well <laughs> with Edwin's arrival. I don't know how you did it, <laughs> but fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to look at Hebrews 1 and 2 with me, please. We're not going to do a Bible study, of course. But as we come to the end of this epistle, I think it might be useful just for us to take a step back and think about what we have been told. And these thoughts originated because a few months back I was listening to a recording of a very well-known brother speaking, he was actually speaking in a Bible school in New Zealand, although that's not particularly relevant, well-known brother and he said something like this. It's difficult to, to jot down a quotation when you're driving. I was in the car when I was listening, but it was something like this. If we have a defective, perhaps even demeaning, understanding of the majesty of Christ, can we expect to share his glory? And that really shook me, because it's not a typical Christadelphian thing to say. The next thing shook me even more because he said, actually, that's a quotation from Robert Roberts in one of his 13 lectures. So I, I stopped to think about what we were actually being told in that quotation. Uh, and then when, when I read Hebrews chapters 1 and 2 a week ago, I thought, yes, there are things there that we perhaps don't really take on board fully. And that hymn we've just sung was lovely, wasn't it? Because it, it does encapsulate so much about the Lord Jesus. So, no exposition. I just invite you to think about some of these words, some of these verses. Chapter 1, please, and verse 2. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Don't need to expound that, just, just think about it. Heir of all things. Uh, and when we think about our families and the, the way in which inheritances are divided up, we know it, it's in the gift of the donor, isn't it? To, to write his will as he wants. And as son and heir, you might expect to get something. But not necessarily everything. But Jesus, as a son, is heir of all things. All that God has, all that God has created, all that God intended is to be inherited by his son. If we have a defective, perhaps even demeaning, understanding of the majesty of Christ, just think about that with those 
very simple words. Uh, of course, all simple words have a profundity behind them in the scriptures, don't they? And one of the reasons we have difficulty with those words, of course, is that we, we don't wish to go down the road of Trinitarianism. So we need to sometimes think a little bit more about what we are being told. And we know, I'm not asking you to turn this up, but we know if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we're told that the Lord Jesus will reign until all things are subdued under him. And of course it is accepted accepted that he who put all things under him will not be subject to Jesus because the time will come when he will deliver up the kingdom to the Father that God may be all and in all. So we don't need to go down a wrong route when we think about the majesty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ but we should not underestimate demean his position. Verse 3. Being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Every one of those expressions is just, if you stop and think about them, they, they should hit you between the eyeballs, shouldn't they? Upholding all things, not, not something, not just those things that we, we want to give him to sort out for us, but, but all things by the word of his power. The brightness of it, his glory. And so often we think of words in John's Gospel, for instance, and we have a bit of difficulty with them. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and, and we struggle to expound those. This is what we're being told in this epistle. The brightness of God's glory. The express image of his person. And that, that surely takes us back in our minds to Genesis and to Eden. Let us make man in our own image. And of course we can, we can play with the Greek words and it's apparently the, the impression that you make in a clay tablet that's the idea of the word there, express image, the character. But let's not play with those words. Let's just think what we are being told about the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And try and put ourselves into some kind of context and some kind of perspective in that way. Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And when you think of what the angels are capable of, what they have been entrusted to do, from the, the things like the destruction of Sodom, to things like the announcement of the impending birth of the Lord Jesus, a more excellent name than they by inheritance, because he is the son and heir. The first begotten, verse 6. Again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. It's just emphasising that point, isn't it? But the first begotten introduces us to a new theme, I think. Because in the scriptures we know that the firstborn 
has a priestly function in the household. He's one who is dedicated to God. And he has the obligation of bringing the, the household together in fellowship and in worship. And so when we're told about the Lord Jesus being the first begotten, we're being introduced to his priesthood function as head of the household in worship. So again, we can say, just thinking about those, we don't need to, to worry about wrong doctrine, about Trinitarian views. There is a distinctiveness about the Lord Jesus, separate from his Father, in leading us to him. And as we go through the epistle, we see the way that these initial themes are amplified by the writer, who tells us in no uncertain terms that Jesus is superior to the angels. He's superior to the Aaronic priesthood. He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And layer upon layer, the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ is emphasised. And we can say, as we often do, well, the Hebrews, the Jews needed that, didn't they? Their, their preconceptions had to be demolished. We're not so comfortable when our preconceptions are demolished, are we? Let's not have a defective, perhaps even demeaning, understanding of the majesty of Christ. Verse 8 is a bit tricky, isn't it? But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. I don't really know what to make of that. It's, it is a bit difficult. But some translations have it this way. God is thy throne for ever and ever. And if that's a better translation, then what we've actually got is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ enthroned in the majesty of God, surrounded by the majesty of God, forever, for age upon age, for all time. And it certainly makes it easier, I think, to understand and visualise the majesty of Jesus. Whatever that particular verse means, I think it is just underscoring for us what we are being told in these simple words in this first chapter. So what we need to do now is think about, well, what does that really mean for us? It's all very well talking about something in, a, in an intellectual or an academic sense if we're not able to say, what does it mean for us? What are we being told, really, by this epistle. We're not being told the Jews have got it all wrong and, and, and you know, and in elevating Moses or Aaron above Jesus, they've got it all wrong. That's not what we're being told at all, I don't think. We're being told to apply this to ourselves and in our thinking about God and our relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That brings us immediately to what we're going to do this morning, doesn't it? Thinking about his death, his sacrifice for all, it brings us to think about a number of other things as well. 
made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So there was the, there was the purpose, but now crowned with glory and honour. Which fits in with what we've been saying from chapter 1. But it tells us more. Because those words, glory and honour, are the Greek equivalents of what we read about the Aaronic priesthood, particularly in Exodus 28, where Aaron wore his clothes for glory and beauty, as did his sons, the priests, for glory and beauty. And by linking it in that way, I think the writer here is saying that here is God's chosen priest, endued with all the glory and all the majesty of the Father and showing us what God is like. And when we think of that and then think about what has been done for us, doesn't it begin to overwhelm us with gratitude? And then moving on down through this second chapter, We've got a number of Old Testament quotations. There are three that come in quick fire, to use Andy's expression about the last chapter and the exhortation there, which I'm largely going to ignore. But we've got three quick fire quotations here that must be directed towards making us think about who Jesus is, what he is, and what he's done. Let's find them starting in verse 12. Starting in verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Uh, we, we've thought a fair bit about families already this morning. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying... So these three quotations that we are going to get are linked with that idea of Jesus calling those who are sanctified his brethren, part of the family. He's heir of all things and he's got a family. And these quotations are, I think, trying to tell us that. So the first one is, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. So, if you could just keep a marker here in Hebrews and go back with me to Psalm 22, please. Psalm 22. And the quotation is from verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. So the passage is lifted directly out of this psalm. Uh, and why should he do that? What's he trying to say to us by doing that? Well, first we can say that the psalm is clearly messianic. Just look at verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And similarly, in verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And so are we being told that this becoming part of the inheritance 
becoming part of the family is only achievable through the things that the Lord Jesus endured for us. Because this psalm makes us think about his suffering, doesn't it? About his crucifixion. We're going to come back to psalms again in a moment or two if you just want to keep a finger there in that page. Because the next quotation in Hebrews chapter 2 is in verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. Where does that one come from? Psalm 18, just a few pages before where we were. So Psalm 18. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. So, so again, it's just taking that one little expression out and, and making us think about this psalm. Where we get, verse 4, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. So, in Hebrews, what we're being told is our inheritance is linked with the death, achieved through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he cried to his Father, God heard him and redeemed him, as he will us too, in our distress. And finally, in this sequence in Hebrews, Verse 13 again, second half. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. So he's developing that theme of the inheritance and the family. I and the children which God hath given me. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 8. And this is interesting, I think, because in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18, Isaiah is talking about his children, his sons. Verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. So Isaiah is talking about his sons, his flesh and the blood, to be signs and wonders in Israel. And when we read those words in Hebrews then, are we being reminded that Jesus had our nature, flesh and blood? Because that's what the next few verses tell us in chapter 2. Are we also being reminded that if we are to be part of this family, then we too should be signs and wonders to show the love, the care the grace of God in our lives. So going back to Hebrews chapter 2, we got as far as verse 13. Behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And so we are brought every time, aren't we, to 
a reflection upon the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus and a realisation of what has been done for us and the means of our salvation, of our sharing in this inheritance, of our hope of this wonderful glory that already is a glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go to the chapter we read, chapter 13 at the end of the epistle. Verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Thank you, Alan. Let's continue to reflect on Jesus by singing together from Praise the Lord 205. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Saviour, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living word. Pete Green's going to offer our thanks for the bread. Heavenly Father, lots of people have said lots of things about the death of your son, about what it does, about how it cleanses us, how it frees us. Lord, none of them really mean anything unless what it does is change us. Unless the death of Jesus makes us want to be different, it was a waste of time. And Lord, I pray that you will work with all of us to want us to change more, to be like you, to be like the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you were like us, that now you are exalted above all things so that we can see through that that God cares about us. That your position now shows us that we have a future to share in God's love. And that maybe without that we wouldn't have understood how much, Father, you love us. Help us as we take this bread and share it and know that we are brothers and sisters. That you are not ashamed to call us your brothers. And that we do this knowing that a time will come when you are back and we can share this in fullness together.
Lord Jesus, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on your shoulders, and you will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of your government and peace there will be no end. You will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Your zeal, Father, will accomplish this. Jesus, you made choices, you made decisions. You chose yourself, without any coercion, to die on that cross for us. As we take this wine to ourselves, help us make a choice. Help us make a choice to continually offer to you, Father, a sacrifice of praise. And help us to do it through Jesus. Not as some mediator, not as some telephone operator, but as a living Lord who lives in us and works through us to bring your plans, Father, into fruition. Thank you for this wine. Thank you for our Saviour. Thank you for our King. Amen. Close our morning together by singing in praise of Jesus. I don't remember singing this hymn here. Uh, maybe we have. It's, it's a very simple hymn uh, in that it doesn't say uh, many things. It basically just says that we praise Jesus because he's our king. And it says that in all the verses in fairly similar ways in each verse. But I just think it would be good for us to sing together to finish in praise of Jesus in this way. All glory, Lord, and honour to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal son, who in the Lord's name comest, the King and Blessed One. Dear Holy Father, dear Father, you... You bless us so richly. Father, I know that you love us like any parent. And we've been thinking about parents and babies and children. You love us. Father, I understand that to mean that you're excited by us as we are excited by our children. You rejoice over us as we rejoice over our children you become sort of ecstatic and, and full of joy and thanks over us as we are over our children I know you made it all Lord but you are a father that's how I see you 
and you love us. Father, thank you. And the best thing you've given us is your lovely son, Jesus. You sent him to show us what you are like, how you feel about us, and about people around us, and help us, Lord, to love them too. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for coming and showing us your Father in the most excellent way, in the most powerful way. And we've heard today that all things are in your care. You sustain all things. And so we, we come to you, Lord Jesus, to ask that you will be with us and bless us and empower us, Lord, to honour you. We bring our the honour of our lips to you and the praises of our lips, but Help us, Lord Jesus, to honour you in our lives. Work in us and transform us too into people like you. Lord, thank you. Be with us now and always. I know that you are, Lord. And bless us richly in your service.